0: Hello, collective listeners. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We'll get into it during the episode, but I am today's guest. Ta-da. That's what I'll leave you with. Uh, And thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. What's going on, collective listeners? Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So, Our editor, Stephanie, who's amazing, by the way. Um, I do want to shout out Stephanie. Uh, One, she has to deal with me when I forget the simplest instructions that she gives me. So thank you, Stephanie. But also does a fantastic job of all the social media posts and everything. So uh, shout out to Stephanie. Uh, Came up with a great suggestion inspired by uh, the Talking Shop podcast. Coach Big Toe, which is now a Samson suite podcast. So sponsored by Samson. uh, Fantastic podcast. Out there with Coach Big Toe in Northwestern, the idea and what he did was recap three lessons learned in 2023 with a bonus lesson. Stephanie came up with the idea and the uh, thought that maybe I could kind of introduce myself because you know I've been hosting for a little over six months now, I believe, and I haven't really broken down my history or what I do, um, and then maybe some lessons learned in 2023, and so. My plan for today and what I want to do is go over uh, exactly who I am. I'm sure I'll repeat some things you've heard over the podcast as I've talked with guests. Uh, Three lessons I've learned in 2023, and then three things that I want to work on for 2024 because I think uh, continuing to improve is always a really, really big thing within strength and conditioning. So uh, without further ado, I'll be the guest on today's episode. So, the first thing I want to break down was my background. I, you know, I started out as a three-sport athlete: um, football, wrestling, and track and field. Football. Uh, I've made the joke before. You know, I was going to go uh, to the NFL, All-Pro, ten years, retire. Uh, you know, have the career that Brian Bosworth wanted, uh, but that was obviously not the case. I got too many concussions, so I actually couldn't play football after my sophomore year. Um, I loved wrestling. Wasn't very good at it. Uh, And then track and field was probably the only thing I was very good at. So that's what really inspired my love for the weight room uh, was learning that basically you put in uh, exactly what you put in, you get out exactly uh, that product of what you put in. So it was a really cool area for me because I learned very quickly that what I did and the work that I put in is exactly what I got out of it. So it was, it was very nice for me to learn that lesson at a younger age. And so I kind of fell in love with the weight room and then, I went to school at Temple University. Um, This is a funny story for anybody who may not have heard it. Uh, I was a pre-med major. Uh, I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon, uh, make millions of dollars and uh, retire my parents in Aruba. Uh, These lofty dreams always end up kind of not working out, but uh, I'm sitting in calculus one day. Uh, It's the first day. I absolutely just have no clue what's going on on the board. And then our professor, uh, you know, says that everything on the board is review and we should know this already. And at this point, I thought she was talking a different language. So I stood up out of that class, actually just left in the middle of the class. Um, and it was small. So it was kind of awkward. Like it wasn't like just, you know, me leaving a hundred person lecture, it was like 15 people in there. So I leave calculus. I go over to my academic advisor and I'm like, what can I do? You know, and she says, well, what do you like doing? I said, I like working out. That's what I like doing. And so she said, we actually have a great exercise science program here. And we did. And I signed up that day, switched my major. Uh, my mom cried. Uh, she was not very happy about that. Uh, I've mentioned before, my family is a very big academic family. So the uh, switching from being a doctor to a weights guy was not very uh, well received, but it ultimately worked out in the end. Um, and so that's when I started my journey uh, of becoming a strength and conditioning coach. I still wasn't 100% positive, if, positive that it was exactly what I wanted to do going into uh, my master's degree. So I ended up signing up for sports psychology. Um, now this is, you know, if anybody is here is listening, who is an intern right now and has not gotten their master's degree, absolutely don't do what I do. It worked out for me, but my student loan payments are absolutely insane right now. Uh, please get a GA, please get your school paid for. That makes a massive difference on every level for the rest of your life. Just heed that advice. If that's the only thing you'll listen to during this podcast. And so I left and went to university of Tennessee. I interned um, at the time, prior to that, I was with UPenn, uh, which was combined football and Olympic. I was really fortunate to go to the New York Jets for their training camp. I grew up a Jets fan. I got to meet guys like Nick Mangold, Antonio Cromartie, people who I idolized. I was meeting in person, so you know, obviously, this grew my love for the profession. I thought it was so cool that I could be on the side of things that um, most people just get to watch, and they're on the outside. So it made me feel like an insider. It made me feel uh, really cool, and I like the working out aspect. I like the weight room aspect. So it kind of all just fit in for me. And then I interned uh, while at the University of Tennessee with the Olympic uh, side, switched over to football, stayed there long enough that they called me a GA, Uh, did not pay me money, uh, which is, you know, classic for strength and conditioning, but absolutely loved my time there. And then was hired on as a part-time assistant at the Olympic side back at University of Tennessee. And so there I worked with cheerleading and I was basically the assistant strength coach for every other sport which was a fantastic experience. It really taught me a lot. I gained a lot of experience through that, that I don't think I would have if I went to other positions or um, if I had just stayed in football. Um, And then from there, you know, I made connections that got me my first job at Texas Tech, uh, working with women's basketball. And, you know, I've made the joke a million times. We don't have to uh, beat you over the head with this. You know, I suck at basketball. And so that was a really, really cool experience for me to go out to Texas Tech, make mistakes, Um, be a part of a staff that allowed me to make mistakes and kept me on for the next year and allowed me to grow as a coach and allowed me to get better and allowed me to understand the game of basketball in a way I really never have before. And, you know, it's so interesting. People always ask me, like, do you want to go back to football? Because I played football. I was a GA at Tennessee. I did all the things that, you know, you're supposed to do if you want to be a football strength coach. And my answer is hell no. And it's just because the time uh, at Texas Tech and my time here at App State Has just allowed me to grow a a certain appreciation and a certain love of the game of basketball i think it's so beautiful um, when you watch it and when it's done correctly you know obviously uh you don't get the result you want every single time uh, from your team but being able to watch basketball being a part of this environment has been uh, like no other so i'll always be in basketball Um, and then after texas tech uh, my family moved to north carolina i want to be closer to them and i had an opportunity to open up at app state so i uh, came over to app state where I'm currently at, I work with men's and women's basketball and women's golf. Um, you know, the the balance of the positions can be tough sometimes, but uh, I, I truly love it. I love working with both sides. And, you know, the benefit that nobody ever talks about, about having multiple teams, is when one team is like driving you nuts, you just go to the other team. Like, you know, you're not like stuck with that team and then just like stuck thinking about it. You go to the other team, uh, they cheer you up, you know, and you get super excited. Now, the detriment... Nobody else always talks about is your both teams can't be doing well at the same time. It, it's some sort of rule or some sort of cosmic uh, or karmic uh, type situation for strength and conditioning. Where you know if your men's team is really doing well and they're really happy with where they're at in the weight room, the women's team's gonna be bothering you, and it's gonna be completely flip opposite. Uh, and so it just uh, <laughs> it can drive you nuts sometimes, uh, but can, and it can also provide relief. So it's an interesting position, uh, but I love it. Um, here I work with our GAs as well on development for what they do. Uh, and it's a really fun process. It's it's probably my favorite part about strength and conditioning is actually developing interns, developing GAs. I like teaching. Um, I like showing people and, you know, a very critical class I took when I was in seventh grade, I think it's eighth grade was a critical thinking class. It was literally called critical thinking. And our teacher just talked to us about like, everything isn't as it appears to be, um, and so you have to actually think and understand and look through each detail and then make your own opinion about it. And Don't let others make opinions for you. And so my favorite part of this job is teaching other strength coaches that what I do is not the only way to do it. In fact, it's one of a million ways that are all going to be successful. What their job is to do is to figure out what they like and what it allows them to execute their uh, weight room. They're coaching on a daily basis in a way that they think will be successful and they enjoy doing it. And so that's something that I really, really like about this job here is I get to work with our GAs who are young coaches. I have interns uh, who work with just me. Um, and, and we go over a lot of things that I really enjoy uh, teaching them about. And so it's a great position. And I love it here. Um, you know, the other things I guess you should be aware of is I do post TikToks. Uh, I post on Instagram reels. I like to post funny videos. Um, I like to not take strength and conditioning as seriously as some others take it. I think it's a very serious job and I'll never take, uh, light or or not take into account the fact that we're helping athletes develop on a daily basis. And a lot of what they want to do in the future is determined on what we, uh, teach them or the habits we help them create. But at the same time, um, I wear basically pajamas every single day to work and I get to lift whenever I want. So, uh, if you take those two points into account, you understand you have a pretty cool job. Um, now, there's always extenuating circumstances for other people. But at my current and current position, um, I love posting videos about how fun the job can be. I love posting and talking about the great things about strength and conditioning because I think there's too much negative stuff out there. Um, I think the negative voices can sometimes be the loudest. So my hope is to be more of a positive voice. Um, if you have any personal questions, just uh, reach out to me. Uh <laughs> TikTok, Instagram, Strength Coach Connor uh, is the handle. So uh, anything that you want to know about me that I didn't mention, uh, feel free to reach out at any time. Also, follow me. That helps me get uh, sponsorships and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Now, on to uh, 2023. What are the three things that I learned the most from in 2023? Um, listening to the Talking Shot podcast, it was really interesting to hear his perspective on certain things. And to me, what I've noticed is that a lot of coaches go through different points in their career. Um, they understand at certain points how much they can affect a team. They understand at certain points how much they can't affect a team., uh, you know, it's so interesting because you see, I've changed my mind on a million things a million times, and I will continue to do that for the rest of my career, but other coaches do it too. It's not just something that I go through. And so I think it's nice to hear that and to understand. Like somebody uh like coach big toe uh, as they call him you know what he's gone through and, and how he's changed his opinion so you know i think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is the impact that the strength and conditioning coach can make um i was asked yesterday what how much like does a strength coach really impact the game and my answer was how much you're willing to accept credit for because if you accept credit for a lot of things then you're gonna uh, be willing to accept blame for a lot of things as well too so I don't like to accept credit for a lot of things. I like to kind of take a step back and, and just say, Hey, like, you know, like the joke and everybody on the staff on both men's and women's staff here always just says, Hey, just a guy. Cause as soon as somebody tries to give me a compliment or anything, I say, Hey man, I'm just a guy, you know? Uh, and I think it's a, a way of, if we're being honest, kind of deflecting, um, and minimizing my impact. And I think the reason I do that is because I get a little bit worried about, um, accepting blame for when things don't work out. And, i don't think that's really how i wanted to live this past year and i think that's something that i improved upon i think that's why it's my first um lesson of 2023 is that you can make an impact and so the specific example i have along with it is our women's basketball team you know that's an amazing group of young women who i love working with on a daily basis one of the most frustrating things i would see from them last year is we would get to the fourth quarter um, and they would shut down as soon as we saw any type of adversity or things didn't go our way and everybody knows the famous saying that basketball is a, a game of runs um, there's momentum swings constantly so it's not always going to go your way even when you're up 30 you know a team can come back hit a couple threes and now suddenly it's cut to 15 and you're nervous about it and so how do you deal with adversity how do you respond to those things and so i've always talked to other coaches and i'm sure a lot of people listening here may even disagree with this point you know but like the joke was like you know Uh, We always try to do these like mental toughness workouts. It doesn't actually work. It doesn't do anything. Um, And I I would say that it does. I would say the workouts that you do can improve somebody's ability to handle adversity. And I remember specifically, we're in a meeting with our entire women's basketball staff and it was funny because I got hired in July and our women's coach was like, we didn't do any hard things last year in the spring. We didn't push sleds. We didn't flip tires, like kind of like yelling at me. And then, you know, she's like, and I know you weren't here last year. And then kind of like, you know, backed up. So it was it's just a funny little anecdote. But, you know, that's what she wanted in this offseason. She wanted to do hard things. And so we created the concept of fourth quarter Fridays. And it was executed by myself, the coaches, and then um, the assistant strength coach, Pat, uh, Patrick Brooks. And the concept was essentially to – create a really hard day where they would have to push through and they'd have to rely on their teammates to push through. And so we created the fourth quarter Friday and it would be at 6am because it was a time that sucked. And then secretly also, they would have the rest of the day off after we finished, you know, which was kind of nice. It was kind of like three days off. uh, But you know, they usually kind of only focused on the workout piece, which I understand. But we created the fourth quarter Fridays and I watched this team that was shut down in adversity, slowly get better and better at handling these things, handling difficulties handling when I would be a jerk and say, Hey, we got overtime on top of it today. Things that I saw would shut them down before now become just slight bumps in the roads or things that they don't even blink at. And so I think my biggest lesson from that was I really can make an impact. I can be a person who can show people that they can do hard things. And that's my job as a coach is to not take them outside of their comfort zone. I mean, well, it is to take them outside of their comfort zone, not outside of their limits though. um, And show them that, You know, they can do hard things. They can be successful in life. That's kind of the whole point of our job. And so that was kind of my biggest lesson learned is that you can make an impact. Don't minimize the impact that you can make because you're worried about accepting the blame for certain things. Be happy about what you can do to make an impact on the athletes. And, um, you know, you don't have to accept credit for every single thing. But amongst yourself, when you have conversations at the end of the day or when you're laying in bed at night, you're thinking about the day and you're going through exactly what you did you know, understand that you can make an impact and then what you do does matter. Um, and I think it's kind of reinvigorated my love for strength and conditioning as well, too, because I love it when it's a challenge. I love when we're at that point where you can see it's a, you either go left or you go right with an athlete. You, they're either going to learn how to deal with it or they're just going to back down and struggle with the adversity piece for the rest of their career. Um, and so it was very fun for me to work in conjunction with our staff, in conjunction with the other athletes and, and help our women's team develop that skill. And, you know, this is just a cool little anecdote. We were down, I think it was like 22 to start the fourth quarter um, against Ohio earlier this year. And that was a game that we absolutely would have not even tried in the fourth quarter last year. And we came back and won it. And now, again, I don't want to accept the credit piece for that, right? I don't want to accept the and say, yeah, it was was because of the fourth quarter Fridays that we did. How cool was that? You know, I don't really care about that. Um, But to see that we had a team that at least – faced adversity and didn't shut down to me was um, a really big highlight of the year. And so that's why it's my biggest lesson. The second lesson, this, is, you know, a lot of these are kind of based off of mistakes I've made too. The second lesson is you have to coach your interns. Um, and that sounds like so basic. It sounds so simple, but, um, I made a mistake this past year. And so during, it goes exactly into one of our fourth quarter Fridays with an intern, um, Pat, who was absolutely amazing. Like I called him the assistant strength coach cause that's what he really provided for the team. Um, and I thought I was doing my job because we did the continuing education piece. And so he was trying to pass the CSCS. So we go through every single chapter and we'd talk about it and we went, you know, page by page about what exactly would be coming up on the test, what he might need to know. And um, he passed the test and, you know, so to me, I was like, I was a successful intern program. And so, you know, at the end of the year, um, it was a July timeframe. Um, he was gonna go leave to be a GA and I said, hey man, why don't you take over one of the fourth quarter Fridays? Like, why don't you run the whole thing? And he was nervous about it, you know, but I'm like, dude, you're going to do a great job. And so then he comes out and it didn't go well. And so I got upset, you know, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, like you're going to go coach your own teams. Like, and this is, you know, it's not going well. And I, that was a moment where I stepped back and especially in a conversation with my fiance too. I was like, Man, I failed. That was not a failure at all on Pat's side. It was a failure on my part because we were doing the continuing education piece. Never once did I have him run like more than a warm-up. And so <laughs> I, I feel horrible. Like now that I look back at this. I had this guy run like an in-place warm up a couple times. And then all of a sudden I say, Okay, uh, by the way, one of the biggest focuses for our women's basketball team this year is our fourth quarter Friday. Uh, you're gonna run the whole thing and you're gonna do it uh, with zero hesitation. Um And so, of course, it didn't go well because I didn't give him the opportunities to uh, coach. I didn't let him run a separate lift that wasn't kind of this big, you know, built up deal. Uh, And that was my fault. And so that was something that was very difficult for me to understand was that um, you have to coach your interns and you have to give them opportunities to grow and Especially if you're like me, who's a control freak, and I want everything to go through me and be done exactly the way I want it to be done, uh, you're not going to develop your interns. You're not going to develop the people who came to you for development. And uh, you know, like a lot of schools, we can't afford to pay our interns, and so these people are coming to us, working for us. And I didn't do my biggest piece, which is to help them grow as a coach. And so that was another lesson learned: is you have to give them opportunities to coach. You have to give them opportunities to fail first before you give them the biggest possible opportunity that they can see. And that was a, a difficult lesson for me to learn, but man, am I grateful to Pat for one, um, you know, he tried to take the blame on himself because he's a great dude. And, I'm, and then, you know, it, it just ended up where it's this deal where we talk about it to this day. And he's like, I never forget that day. And I'm like, I don't forget that day either because I'm the one who messed up. And he's like, no, I messed up. And we should go back and forth. But um, I think that was an eye opening lesson for me as well too, is that for people who, or deciding to come to see you uh, come to work for you and come to uh, be a part of your program is that it's not something that you should take lightly. It's not something that um, you should forget to do certain things because you can make or break somebody's career. And so what if that one day, you know, I think it's a little dramatic, but what if that one day he did horrible and then he loses all confidence and doesn't want to be a coach anymore. That would be on me in my opinion. So, You know, my next lesson is uh, you have to coach the interns. And then the third lesson of the year is don't get caught in the rut. Um, I think it was so easy for me going into year two to have my program set and understand that this was my first summer where I, like, truly didn't have to worry about changing my license, changing my car registration, uh, moving, doing all the things that you get caught up in uh, when you're changing schools and just like, man, I just want to go, you know, enjoy life and, um, you know, kind of come in and coach and then leave. And I think that made me lose my creativity for coaching. I think that made me really struggle with coming in and enjoying every single day Um, and uh, understanding that you were the, Tone setter for the lift, you know, you're the person who can make a great lift or lose it, uh, and so it was a really kind of a struggle for me this past year to pull myself out of the rut of like I've already got an established program, it's worked before with past teams, so I'm just going to run this program again, and go in and coach, and then we'll leave, right? And I see things like Wisconsin football spent you know X amount of dollars on lights and. Uh, everybody was roasting them on Twitter and I'm like, man, well, I mean, that'd be pretty cool though. Like to have a white room that lights up like a club, like the guys would get excited to do it. And, like the midnight madness lifts and all these things that make the job fun for you. I think I forgot to do. And so my goal, and you know, and this is, uh, it's a lesson learned. Um, and I improved upon it during the year and I tried to do more fun things, but my goal for this next year too, is just to like do things that are fun for you as a coach too, because The more fun you're having as a coach, the more fun the athletes are having and the better environment it's going to be for them to train. And it doesn't mean like you're not working hard if you're having fun, but like doing like different location lifts because it's the millionth Friday that we've been training in the summer. And instead of trying to do like this volume blast, that's going to absolutely crush the guys. And then they come back in on Monday and we train in the same spot, change up the location, go to different places, um, you know, have a themed lift day. like All the things that like people kind of make fun of, I think are kind of like the fun parts of strength and conditioning. And uh, one of the coaches at Texas Tech, she works with uh, soccer and um, volleyball there. She does like an Easter lift. And so you go open up Easter eggs and then you look at a specific lift. It's like 10 push push-ups or something like that. Like smaller things like that, just like make it more fun to come in on a daily basis. It makes it it more fun for the athletes to come into and it just makes it a better training environment overall. So don't be afraid to uh, take risks is what I would say as I learned from this past year. Now going into 2024, you know, there's a lot of things I want to work on. There's a lot of things I want to change, a lot of things I would like to do better. Uh, so it was kind of hard to narrow it down to three. But, you know, the first one is really cool experience. So Our director here, Robbie Ormsby, came to me and I remember he had uh, starting strength on his desk. And I just saw it and I was like, man, that's the first book I ever read in and conditioning. And that was actually a lie. The, the first book I read was Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Uh, and I almost gave myself rhabdo because I didn't understand that all these bodybuilders were taking uh, special vitamins, as Ronnie Coleman would call them. Um, <laughs> and so the second book I read was Starting Strength by Mark Ripito. And so he came up with the idea that this summer we'd fly down to Wichita Falls and take the Starting Strength Certification exam. I'm really excited to do it. And i think the biggest thing i want to work on for 2024 is coaching up technique like i think i've used kind of a fake excuse a little bit in the past of you know how much does technique really matter like if it's good like that's i obviously want good technique i don't want guys like having horrible technique on lifts but if it's good technique like i don't really coach it up that much more to make it perfect and then seth thompson uh just a couple months ago said your rep is your reputation that one really rung true to me and i I just i've thought about it since and i just look at our list. And I think like, man, that's good, but can we get that to great? Can we get it to like almost perfect? Right. And I think the justification I would use before is like, well, no movement on the court is perfect. So why does technique need to be perfect? And the starting straight certification and undergoing this process has kind of changed my philosophy on that a little bit. It's shown me that, um, if you do have perfect technique or close to perfect technique, you're able to lift more weights. You're at a lower injury risk. Um, and I think those things are important. Right. And it's like so weird for me to like be on this podcast and say this because it, it feels like to me, like I haven't been coaching technique as much, but um, it's a focus for 2024. It's something that I really want to improve upon. I want to get all our guys and girls at a really, really good spot and a really solid spot with their technique because I don't want to just kind of say, like, oh, movement's not perfect on the court. So we just want to be strong through ranges of motion. Like, yeah, it's good. You know, and I understand there's places for that, but I think that's more like, you know, where you want to get creative with your movement. How do you want to move through ranges of motion? Uh, not like on the compound lifts, though, uh, if you guys understand what I'm saying. Like, I think those, I think I want to get better at technique. I want to get better at coaching technique. I want to get better at, uh, you know, understanding that your rep is your reputation. I think that's a big deal for me. The second thing, um, and I think this may resonate, true with a lot of the people listening to this podcast is advocating for myself more. Um, I was just talking with my fiance this morning, like it is really hard to have men's and women's basketball and divide your time equally and understand exactly how you want to, uh, (laughs) like show one team that you care about them just as much as you care about the other team. And I get asked to travel on trips with the men. I get asked to travel on trips with the women. And that would mean I would be leaving somebody else behind. Um, and I have women's golf as well, and so like my schedule tomorrow is going to be get in at five o'clock in the morning for women's golf, and I'll be leaving at nine thirty after uh, nine thirty p.m. Um, after the men's walkthrough. And so, like that's not, in my opinion, sustainable, and it's not really, really okay. And I've asked for a GA, uh, and you know the reason I've asked for that is because I think it will help manage my workload, right? And so I've reached a point in my career where it's less about me. Um, proving myself and maybe even proving myself to myself, if that makes sense. Like I'm not nearly as concerned about people thinking I'm a good coach because I'm confident in what I do and I like what I do and the things that I don't like, I'm actively working on improving on. But what I want now in my career is something where I can do this for the rest of my life because the absolute last thing I want to do is leave a job that I'm extremely passionate about and a job that I love more than anything because I'm in conditions that I feel like I can't work. And so I've accepted the point that that schedule is not going to work for me. I'm not working 16 hour days. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen consistently. It can't, but that's going to happen. What? Three days out of this week. And so in three days I'm working 48 hours. Right. And so, yeah, I think I did that math correctly. Okay. All right. Um, it just can't like that can't be the scenario right because i'm going to burn out and i'm going to be miserable um we're in season like right now like we have Sundays off which is unheard of in season uh because of a sunbelt schedule which is fantastic but like one day off for 6 months out of the year and not even it's really 3 months out of the year and then the first 3 months of basketball there's absolutely zero days off because of the balance between men's and women's basketball like from that october to december time frame um is not sustainable but i love the job and so what I have to do is advocate for myself and I have to uh, find ways to demonstrate and show to our administration that this is exactly why I need a GA. Um, and this is exactly why this would help me uh, be sustained here in this position. And so I think the biggest thing for me is letting go of um, caring about other people and uh, what they think of my coaching. Cause I, you know, obviously like my mentors and people who I respect, I'm always gonna listen to them. I always wanna improve, right? But I just think it's the thing is at this stage of my career, it's much more about how can I make this last for me because I want to be in this career forever. But I also understand that there's certain things that I'm not going to be able to sustain forever. And so I think advocating for myself is going to be the biggest thing that I'm looking for. Um, And my urge would be to other strength coaches who are experiencing the same thing uh, to advocate for yourselves as well, because, you know, every athletic department across the country talks about being elite or doing the best thing. If you're in a mid-major, it's how can we be power five, right? And so if you want power five services for me as a strength coach, he got to give me power five resources and that doesn't have to come in money but it does have to come in time and my ability to recover from my job as a coach and then come back in and be recuperated after a weekend and be excited to come coach again um, it, it comes with the time frame of not asking me to do much and not being spread too thin and so um, I'm one of a billion in the strength and conditioning realm so how is we you know as coaches like maybe we should stop being in this mind frame where it's like, man, we should just be grateful for what we have because other coaches are struggling to find jobs and instead advocating for ourselves and setting up a realistic career path or asking for things that you know will allow you to do this career forever. Because I I do, I want to do it forever. I don't, I mean, like my dream, dead serious is like to be 90 years old in a wheelchair because I don't want to walk once I'm past 90. You know, just like rolling up and down the racks and like yelling at kids about their power claims. Like, it's just, it's just so exciting to me. And so if I want to do that, then we have to find a way to make it sustainable. Um, the last piece uh, is the, is it's a goal every single year. Um, and it's the uh, social media aspect of strength and conditioning, which is, A double edged sword for me, right? Because we talked about I post on Instagram, I post on TikTok. I've gotten a good following on a couple of those platforms. And so that's come with things that are, you know, really cool. Like I get to do ads, I get to do um, really cool opportunities. Uh, You know, the social media aspect didn't help me with this, uh, getting this podcast position. At least I don't think. I don't know. Maybe they can tell you differently. But what it did do is it allowed me to, um, it opens doors for me social media opens a lot of doors for me and this podcasting job is like another form of social media right so um, it's been fantastic and it's it's enhanced my career with the double-edged side of it is right the opposite side is that I'm I'm constantly on social media looking for content ideas looking at what other people do and the number one thing I do is break down my own program and we talked about I'm confident in what I do as a coach right but You can be the most confident person in the world. If you're constantly looking at what other people do, you're going to start comparing yourself to them um, if you're not careful. And so comparison is the thief of joy is the quote that everybody knows. But how much as a coach this year, can I actually eliminate those things for myself? Um, How much can I look at somebody else's program and say, that's great for them. I don't really care what they're doing because we're doing what I know is best for our team. And we always, you know, understand that aspect of like, (laughs) like every team has different needs. I I coach, the men's team here differently than I coach the women's team. Even if it's the same program that we use, I coach it in a different way because each team has different needs. And so I'm going to look at like what Minnesota baseball is doing and be like, man, we should be doing some of these things in our program because it's cool and it's hip and it's trendy. And I don't know what I'm talking about and going down this whole rabbit hole by myself. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there, you know, (laughs) in my bed at like 11 PM. Like, man, I'm not good enough as a coach. Like, how did, how did we get here to this point? Because I saw one video about what somebody else was doing with their team that, you know, probably isn't even applicable to my team. And so my goal is to really look at social media uh, more as I'm somebody who produces content, not somebody who consumes content. Um, And if I can do that, I think I'll be a lot happier and I'll be a lot more confident. And I won't put myself in those positions where I start to really compare myself to other programs. Because at the same time, like I just talked with uh, somebody else on a podcast and you know, they said, I'm a completely different coach from 2022 to 2023, and I'm gonna be a different coach in 2024. And so if we keep growing and, and getting more years under our belt, like obviously the coach who has been doing it for 20 years is gonna be better than me who's been doing it for seven. Like that's how it's supposed to be. But all I can do sometimes is look at that coach and say, man, they're killing it. They're doing so much better than I'm doing. Why am I not doing this? And I'm just getting down on myself. And I just, I just don't think that like, I want to do that anymore. Um, and I'm opening up about that and being honest about it, because I think a lot of other coaches really do it within the field. Uh, maybe not necessarily the older coaches, because, you know, they aren't on social media as much, but the coaches around my age and the ones I talk to and the ones who I've had these conversations with, it's been pretty evident that this is something that a lot of coaches go through. So, um, uh, it's every year I say it because I get better about it every year. I'm not obsessed with, you know, like what other people are doing, but I still catch myself opening that door and allowing myself to kind of go down a rabbit hole that I don't necessarily want to go down because I don't think it's, you know, productive. Like, yeah, it's also going to learn what other people are doing as well. And I think it can be a really good learning tool, but you know, maybe for me at this point, it's not what I need because instead of me learning from it, I'm just going to use it to compare instead of learn. And so, um, I kind of removed a lot of people that I follow, you know, and it's like, no, not at all against them. Cause they're putting out great content and they're doing great things. But the last thing I want to do is just constantly compare myself. Um, and so that's kind of what I've got, you know, uh, my three lessons learned is that you can make an impact. You have to coach the interns and don't get caught in the rut. The three things I want to improve upon is technique. Um, also just excited to meet Mark Ribito in person. Like, I mean, I hope he doesn't make me drink a gallon of milk every day. I'm there. I couldn't handle that, but, um, advocating for myself, uh, understanding that there's things I can do to uh, extend my career and extend my livelihood, and then uh, understand the comparison is a thief of joy and limit the social media intake that I have. And so uh, I love the idea from our editor Stephanie. I really appreciated the fact that she proposed this topic. I was nervous to do it. I've never, you know, really just talked to myself on this podcast. So I hope it was productive. I hope it was enjoy, enjoyful, enjoy, uh, enjoyable. Well, there we go. That's a word um, for everybody who listened, you know, but um, it was really cool to go through this process and to look at the things I've learned and then to look at the things that I want to improve upon. And then hopefully next year in 2025, I'll still be the host of this podcast, um, which would be fantastic. Uh, and we can have another episode where I talked about the three things that I improved upon. And then what are the three things I want to look into improving upon for this next year? Um, and I hope that those listening do the exact same thing that they did uh, or that I did and, and looked at what they learned from the past year and how they've grown as a coach. Cause I think it's really hard to give yourself credit sometimes too. And so I hope you can do that. And I can hope you have, hope you have three, maybe five, maybe one thing that you want to change about yourself for the next year and grow more as a coach, because I think we can always grow at all times. And so, um, I hope this can help inspire people to do that. And at the very least, I hope you got a couple laughs out of uh, my experience this year. So uh, I'm grateful to be the host. I'm grateful for you, who li- all those who listen. Um, I love it when people give me compliments. I mean, who doesn't, right? Uh, you know, but uh, being this host of this show has been a really, really awesome experience. So thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for letting me speak.